Welcome to the Landscape Photography Vlogcast, hosted by myself, Tom Peters, aka the Photo Ninja, all the way up north, Paul Thompson Photography, and Struth mate, it's Matt Bishop. We cover all things photography and chat to some of the best photography minds in the business. Put your feet up, the kettle on, and let's jump straight into this week's vlogcast. Proudly sponsored by F-Stop Camera Bags, making lives of the visual storyteller easier. First, light. Everything else follows, for light is the language of photography, as well as its raw material. As a poet uses words, so a photography uses light. My photography is an attempt to express the most beautiful and powerful qualities of light that I encounter. When I plan to take pictures, it is planning for the light, and when I make my pictures, I seek to capture its essence. While I often use first light, dawn, I also work in the fading light, dusk. Sometimes I even work in the middle of the day. As this book will reveal, for the title is really about priorities. First, light. This is a um, the introduction to one of my favourite landscape photography books written by the brilliant Joe Cornish, and the book is titled First Light. And um, as you can tell, for this evening, guys, we're going to be talking about the light, aren't we? Is that what the subject is about, guys? I think so. Well, it is now, yeah. I'm <laughs> feeling <laughs> that was the idea. <laughs> well, welcome to uh, the, the new podcast, guys. How has everything been going on? What have you all been doing? Yeah, just busy, mate. Just been busy. Really, it's uh, it's been a case of just getting a few videos done, getting out, getting a lot of shooting done. What about you? How are you getting? I've seen you've been getting back out again. Yeah, <clears> yeah, I have been going out. Under the radar, um, I just yeah, I just I just felt like telling people about it a bit more. I just feel like a bit like a bit more chilled, less pressure, I suppose. Where when the family routines better now, yeah, yeah. So I just feel more relaxed when I'm out, and yeah, feel like I'm ready to sort of ease my way back into doing YouTube videos again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah, quite on we, the not uh, quite on the weekly scale, probably. Probably not just yet. I've definitely got enough videos if I can get in the edit, get the editing done for weekly videos. I've got enough of a buffer, but yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Um, well, I, think I, I am. I just need to be more organised. <laughs> <laughs> now about you, Matty boy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had a 47-minute conversation before we started the podcast tonight, didn't we, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's burnt himself out already. Yeah, look, I won't get I won't go into details because it's shouldn't do that. But sometimes it's not easy. I'm not going to say I'm a professional photographer, but some of the work I do in photography is, let's say, titled professional. And sometimes being a professional photographer isn't easy because you have to deal with stuff. Yeah, abusive comments. Dealing with brands, um, putting in a lot of hard effort to try and please people and not getting anything back, um, putting hard work into, I don't know, putting workshops out there. The amount of effort that just goes to just to put a workshop together is just huge. I mean, there's so much work into everything on a professional end and um, 
it can get really, really hard sometimes. And at the moment, yeah, it is. It's doing my head in a little bit. I'd like to just sort of disappear for a little while and just enjoy photography. You know, another um, kid, mate, that's what you want. Yeah, uh, that'll, that would fix yeah. it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, no, yeah. No, 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 no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. The second kid at 43 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's not going to happen. No, no, I love my kids, but that's it. Yeah, that's as far as it goes. Um, so, yeah, anyway, as you can tell from that little piece of um, writing that I just uh, read out a minute ago, that was, yeah, an introduction to the brilliant book. If anyone doesn't know the book, it's called First Light, and I'm sure you can still find copies of it out there written by Joe Cornish, and it's my favourite book of his. It's a brilliant book, and he talks about light. Yeah, And he talks about first light. Now, the thing is to understand is we're not referring to first light as in the first light of the day. We're talking about the first priority in landscape photography is the light. And within those words, I don't know if you, you heard me say that he's talking about dawn and dusk, but there's also the middle. Yeah. Now, that was what we're going to talk about today, that middle part. So what is that middle part, guys? What, what are we referring to? Well... We've had a discussion before, haven't we, about this? Because when we've, I've often said for a long time now, for a long time since I've gone professional and I've done this more for a living, is that if you were to rely solely on sunrise and sunset times, you limit yourself quite a lot. Not really? only creatively, but obviously with time as well. Um, And I think people underestimate the the amount of decent images you can get during the day, daytime photography. In between the hours of sunrise and sunset, it doesn't always have to revolve around that. It's basically yeah. what I think anyway. Why do you say you're limiting yourself for, Paul? Well, for me... Um, you lose sleep. <laughs> I lose sleep. I don't like getting up early. I'll admit it. <laughs> but no, not just that. Not just that, I'm not, it's, it's a case of you're relying on that hour. <laughs> I'm just you're saying right. that because I've been with this guy and getting him out of bed in the mornings is like trying to drag a wet sock <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> I'm not a fan, I must admit, but, but also, I, I also feel that if you rely on those times of sunrise and sunset, your images can become samey. They can have a same the same sort of light on them. They can have the, the same sort of, you know, feel about them. Right. Whereas if you're willing to shoot that whole day through, you, you're going to get different conditions right. all day. Right. Now, obviously you've only got a certain amount of conditions. You can fit into an hour of light in the morning and an hour right. of light in the evening. You've, you're basically limiting yourself to two hours shooting in a day. Yeah. Definitely, especially when you're out on a workshop. That's kind of time, yeah. isn't it? That I mean, you could you couldn't say you couldn't run just a, time. You couldn't run a workshop and say, "Oh, by the way, guys, so I'm going to take you on on a workshop, and we're basically going to go out for two hours a day." Yeah, but there is workshops out that do that. Unfortunately, yeah. I remember so, one bloke actually contacted me once and said, um, "Look, just uh, just uh, asking you about Patagonia. Um, just want to know, do we go out and do like you know sunset?" shoots and that's it and i was like no why oh just because you know i just came back from one i won't tell you the yeah. name of the guy he went with quite a famous the uh, landscape photographer in, in um the united states and said oh we just basically did sunset shots because during the day he said the light was no good in the morning everyone was too drunk from the night before to go out and take photos 
And yes. he partied all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. This is it. I mean, I, yeah. I couldn't bring myself to do that. No as a, way. As a workshop leader. As I a workshop leader, you should be out while, all day. And, you know, even if you can get it, some night shoots in there, even better. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 People were there for a reason. Early in the morning for me, that's all. <laughs> after a skinful of wine, yeah, that's why you. That's why you got me, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I just, I, I really do. I mean, I, I've even started when I go out shooting my YouTube videos. For me, it's not only because I don't like mornings, but, <laughs> but if I was to rely on just going out for a morning and filming my video. I don't think I'll be able to do a weekly video. Right. Whereas I give myself a day to go and film. Okay. That whole day. Right. So that could be obviously not sunrise at the minute because it's just way too early. Yeah. Obviously. And logistically, well, it's not just that, but you've still got kids at home. You've still got stuff going on. You you know, <laughs> you've still got things to sort out. You can't just walk out of the house and go and, you know, do what you want to do. You've still got responsibilities <laughs> as well as doing your full-time job. And for me, if I can go out that little bit later, I'll go out and I'll be on field maybe eight o'clock in the morning. I've still got all day to be able to film. I've got all day to be able to get images and it takes the pressure off. And I think that's, yeah. that's one of the main things is, is not only are you limiting yourself to that one hour in the morning and one hour at night, Yeah, you're putting yourself under pressure to get those images in that period of time right. and not giving yourself enough time to explore the areas you're visiting. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's almost like um it's the same sort of it's not just the time you're restricting, it's it's the creativity, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost definitely. like it's almost like saying, Oh, I'm only I'm only gonna shoot that one location today or I'm only gonna shoot with a wide angle lens. Yeah. You're you're completely limiting your creativity. The well, yeah, when you have to sleep. In the yeah. morning, and you still and you still got the dribble coming out the side of your face, you know, and you get a bit of sleep stuck in your eye. Yeah, yeah, that's most of the day. To be fair, <laughs> Thomas yeah. is Tom's last YouTube video, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that bad. It looked that bad, did I? <laughs> yeah, you looked as though you, you were pretty looking tired, looking, mate. Did I? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just tan, isn't it? It's just the tan that makes my eyes look darker. Of course, must be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's, um, it just seems crazy to me that anyone would ever preach, yes, you can get some more, you know, obviously softer right. direction, uh, not directional, softer light, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get better shots, does it? No. Nope. Necessarily. I don't think it is. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. Depends what you're shooting, doesn't it? Yeah, it very much does. I mean, to be to be honest, mountain photog photography or anything to do with Did mountain. Did you just say photography? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you get mountain photography. Photography? Did I? Photography. <laughs> That'll be the sherry talking. Yeah, he's a terminal southern. Certainly, some terminal American. I've, I'm having a I'm having a cup of um with my really dodgy thermos free. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is that the one that doesn't fit in any cup holder in the yeah, world? Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. one all three of us got. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so who was talking? 
I don't know. I don't. I'm I thought not we was sure. doing. I thought we was going to do a round. So talking about what we drank. Oh, what we drank. Yeah. So mm. I'm having tea this evening. Tea. Um, yeah, because look, oh, a podcast is not a good idea for me to drink because, like, I'm so stupid as it is with my words. Anyway, if I start <laughs> drinking alcohol. <laughs> Those seven people who listen to the podcast won't listen to it anymore. Hi, <laughs> Mum. Hey, there was quite a lot less to the last one, we have to say. Was there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. There, I think there's quite a lot of listens on the last one now. Well, I'm... I have got um, a bit of a confession. I'm drinking American bourbon out of uh, a scotch glass. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's sacrilege, that is. Not sacrilege. Yeah. They would stone me if they, if they knew, but yeah, they don't, so. Well, they do now. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, yeah, yeah, it just baffles me when people say that's them sorts of things, or especially on a workshop, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about, like, whenever I, I don't know, it's different for me because I do woodland stuff, but you're not just going to shoot certain locations the whole time, you know? <clears throat> no. Like even when you go to Patagonia, Matt, you're not shooting. I know you obviously are shooting the Iconics, but you're not, you know, you're not shooting just that, are you? No. No. You know, it's about, it's about, obviously, surely, that if you go on a workshop, I would want to be taught how to, if I needed any help with a camera, if I need, it's all about compositional learning skills. And you know, stuff like that. That's the day to day in the field tips and sort of tuition is not just about stand there at the perfect time twice well, a day. Pre preparing yourself when you yeah. in the bad light. When you're in yeah. the bad light too, aren't you? Getting yeah, exactly. yourself for composition yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and there's and it goes it goes further than that, you know, it's oh, about it. prepping your bag and making sure you got the right clothes and you know, and doing this and do, just getting yourself ready and the whole process is what I I would think. Someone someone paid someone paid four and a half thousand dollars to go to Utah with someone. You I would want I would want more than just stand there in the morning and then stand there at night. Yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I think personally, for me, it's more about being able to know that you can kind of get images from any kind of light. It's about yeah. working with the light that you're given at any one point in time. Yeah. Rather than kind of saying, well, the light's no good now. There, we'll come back later. But yeah, well, how, yeah, definitely. How yeah. about using that light that you have yeah. to your advantage? Yeah. If yeah. you've got harsh light, well, well, go for smaller scenes. Yeah. Use that harsher light to illuminate the smaller scenes. Exactly, yeah. trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah trees. All of that stuff. Waterflow. I did what? a vi video a couple of weeks ago there about harsh light, funnily enough. And, and waterfalls, people would say, oh, you can't shoot waterfalls in harsh light. Oh, that's rubbish. If you yeah. zoom in and go, go smaller and control the light and get backlit water, yeah. it looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, It looks really amazing. It's just being able to learn to control the conditions with the light that you're given, I think. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen... Just talking about the waterfall and harsh light, I, I took in, um, for, for, for the, those seven people that are listening who don't know, <laughs> I, I, for some really, really odd reason, I'm still not sure why, Pentax actually gave me a monochrome 
the monochrome camera to test out. Yeah. Yeah, and there was one image I took of a waterfall, and, and, and you've got and you've got sliding doors, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do, <laughs> I do. He had to go. That's an inside joke, guys. He had to go there, didn't he? He had to go there. Pentax monochrome door stop. Oh, oh, funny. <laughs> um, yeah. what I want to say was I took. I took you, you buddy, Jesus. Anyway. I was going to add to that, but I don't know. You're going to add You were going to add anyway. Yeah, look. I only had the camera for three days. I don't have it now. Anyway, very good camera. Won't go, I'm not going to advertise Pentax, but one thing I'm going to talk about is harsh light and waterfall photography. And when I had that camera, I was out shooting a waterfall. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen that image I took. You probably didn't because you don't care. But anyway, I'll tell you anyway. No, I've seen it. I actually zoomed in on a waterfall that would have been about five metres tall, right, with his rock face, beautiful rock face. And I sort of took the rock face and the waterfall, but not the whole entire scene. Mm. And so I sort of zoomed, zoomed in a bit and took the image in black and white. Obviously, it's a monochrome sensor. Took it at one to five thousandths of a second. And if you see more water, powerful water that goes that quick, goes that quick, that goes that quick, <laughs> you see what it looks like at one and five thousandths of a second? Nada. It's Man. freaking amazing. Go and check that image out. Yeah, will For anyone who's listening. Where have you put it? Oh, what, just all over social media. It's all over just the social media. It's the posts I did oh, about have testing the camera out. Yeah. And it's... This water's dancing. I've actually captured it in time, but it just looks so obscure. It's so yeah. weird. It doesn't have a flow pattern to it at all. It actually has got an arm coming out the side and right. everything's just so – it's – um, you know, normally when you shoot waterfall at a higher shutter speed, I'm talking sort of about 120th of a second, yes. you lose that silkiness to it and it becomes very, very harsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was actually shot that quick – that it's not harsh. It's actually silkier smooth than a, than a slow shutter speed, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like you've obviously shot it too fast. That it's done the opposite. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. So there's an example, you know, of this light, but um, you know, there's me ranting on. But, yeah, it's another example yeah. of how you can shoot light in harsh light or not. Anyway, getting back to the subject, I've got some wisdom I'd like to share, and this is wisdom that I feel like I've, I've, um, I've acquired over over years' experience taking images, is that when we refer to light, I look at it on three different levels. So the first level for me is atmosphere, and atmosphere is in the morning, mainly. Okay, we know it's not always the case, but mainly when you're shooting in the morning, so, you know, sunrise, you're capturing light with a certain atmosphere, whether that's fog or it's a bit of haze yeah. or it's something in the atmosphere that the air yeah. itself that gives you that softer, yeah, you know, that gives you something quiet to to a landscape, right? Yeah, yeah you're totally yeah. right, mate. Yeah, but <clears throat> then you've got sunset, so we've gone from atmosphere, then we go to sunset, which is colour. And we yeah. know that the best sunsets are normally in the evening because you have less atmosphere in the air that just gives you these better saturated colours in your skies and you get mm-hmm. these beautiful colours, right? So you've got one and the other, right? And then 
we've got this middle period. And that middle period for me, I refer to it as the best light. Mm. You know why? Because it's rare. It doesn't happen very often, but when it happens, it's the best. When you're Mm. in the mountains, you've got a freaking storm coming through and everything's going crazy and hell is above you. And all of a sudden, a beam of light comes through those clouds and goes bang onto the mountain face and you capture it. That is the best image you'll ever take. And Mm. that's rare. For me, that's the best light. It's that powerful light, you know? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's unique as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're you going to yeah. take something that no one's ever going to replicate. Well, this, I think this is the thing, though, is is that you'll go to a location, a lot of people will turn up to a location, ah, the light's crap, I'm going, <laughs> I've had it, that's it. But they don't give a, they don't give a location time to develop. Uh, yeah. Whether that be with the weather, the conditions, whatever it might be. If if you've got a shot in mind and you and you can see that it's it's probably going to work you know for whatever reason that is is that i think it's always worth spending that time there giving it an hour or two not just turning up to a place and just thinking well the light's rubbish now because uh, i don't know about you guys but a majority of the places around the world waiting five minutes the light will change yeah yeah so if you if you're willing to kind of give time to an area then the likelihood is you you stand more chance of getting an image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially mountain photography, you just yeah, have to really. look at mountain photography because weather weather develops around mountain ranges and all the rest of it. Yeah. It changes like that. Yeah, yeah. really oh, fast. Yeah. It's even the same. It's even the same in the woods, mate. Because I know, I know by when I leave my house, I know um, if the if the fog's really thick in certain areas on the drive there. I know which where where to go in the woods because yeah. I because the woods are slightly undulated and I know where the, the the mist usually just by experience of going over and over and over again I know roughly where likely the likelihood of where that mist will be thicker or thinner yeah so then I think right I don't obviously when I leave the house I don't think I'm going to go to that section of the woods today I'll go depending on where I think the light is going to be best or the fog's thicker or thinner yeah. So yeah, exactly. it's um. I just think it's. I just think it's a bit of an experience, maybe. Uh, if people just turn up and think, "Oh, it's crap," I'm yeah. gonna go. Uh, yeah, it might be crap, but just go somewhere else, or or go back over and over and over again. Not I mean. Yeah, or hang around. Or hang Give around. Yeah, but it, it's like if you hang around <laughs> and you still don't get it, then you know, next time. Yeah. It's almost, it is almost like experience, I think. It's just they need to... Well, I think it's all about slowing down as well. Yeah. It's really about slowing down because if you, like we said earlier on, if you're dedicating that time to that one hour in the morning and one hour at night, you haven't got the time. You exactly, haven't got the yeah. time to dedicate. Whereas yeah. if you're shooting all day, you've got you've got all day to, to you know... Especially if you're, if you're only shooting at weekends. You know, you're literally. I say, let's just say you shoot Saturday morning, Friday, Saturday night, it's four and Sunday. It's four times you can go out. Yeah, <clears throat> that, that's not enough to to build a picture um, of what you want to shoot and be consistently successful, is it? If no. you're limiting yourself to four times, yeah, and f- and the same the same location, yeah. 
it yeah, just exactly. you're just going to end up in getting frustrated and yeah it just um yeah it just baffles me really but today's episode of the landscape photography vlogcast is proudly brought to you by f-stop camera bags backpacks and accessories paul tom and matt are all members of the f-stop pathfinder program active users of their gear and highly endorse a product for its reliability functionality and ruggedness if you're looking for the best camera bag and accessories for your photography gear then look no further than f-stop making the lives of the visual storyteller easier see there's one thing i uh, okay i'll use an example um when you guys came over here right yeah i remember <coughs> it was, i think it was the first hour on location and we're sitting there we're kind of waiting waiting for the light to do something and it was getting well, would have been about half an hour to sunset, maybe a bit more. And we're um we're in front of that mountain that looks like that Kirkerfield mountain in Iceland, remember? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're sitting there waiting and, and it's not happening. We look at each other. Monte Bolsa. Yeah. That's the one. And we're thinking, oh, it's not gonna what's happening? You know, not, the light's not doing anything. And all of a sudden we looked over the other side of another mountain towards to the castle was and we saw that it was opening up over there. Didn't right. we? Because it was very stormy where we were. So yeah. we made a split last second decision, went in the car, 170 kilometers an hour on windy roads. <laughs> I think I killed a few goats, ran over a sheep <laughs> farmer, um, squashed a piece of cheese, and <laughs> um, we, we ran up the hill. You remember? I can remember yeah, running up the hill. I remember. I remember. I remember Paul almost had a freaking stroke. Yeah. I was nearly ever going over the backside. Yeah, almost had to, I had to, like, had to almost <laughs> inch, intubate him. We got up the top, intubate, <laughs> put a tube down your throat. <laughs> um, we got to the top and and the light started happening, remember? And it yeah. just went, went mental. And we had like five minutes and our huts were going 100 miles an hour. And that five minutes, it was all over and it was done. But you know what I hated about that? As as beautiful it was seeing that five minutes and trying to capture it all in that five minutes, was thinking that you got an amazing photo, come home, open it up, and you know what I hate about sunsets most of the time? The sky is beautiful, but there's no light on the landscape. Yeah, yeah. and it's true. And, and you've just got this. Because why is that? You think. Because in the morning, what's happened, temperatures dropped off at night time, so we get a moisture build up in the air, don't we, at night time? Yeah. The moisture builds up. And we get to the morning, you get this moisture, you get this atmosphere. And so when the sun does come out, when it does, it eventually comes out and then it clips <coughs> that moisture that's created during the night time and it gives you something special, right? Yep. Yeah. It doesn't happen in sunset. You're actually fighting it in the other direction without all that moisture in the atmosphere the majority yeah. of the time. It, it yeah, can happen that we can get that. but <clears throat> Yeah, probably more likely to ha for it yeah. to happen in the mountains. But yeah, yeah it definitely don't ha that just definitely doesn't happen around here. That fog doesn't kick in until that sun's gone down, the temperature's dropped. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, then it builds during the night. Um, yeah. No, you're definitely I, right. That night we got amazing – we had a cloud inversion, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, but, I've got it up in the wall here. Yeah, but the sun had already set. <clears throat> so, yeah, you are right. You, you had that real sort of cool yeah. blue with a colourful pastel sky. Yep. And yeah. And no light. No light on the land at <laughs> all. <laughs> That's the thing that we we found that with um, Grand Sasso along the other side as well. Yeah. Um, is that we had the same problem. You get 
beautiful color in the sky, but then there's no light on the mm. on the foreground, so it kind of looks a bit meh. Yeah, it doesn't, you, that's why it's in, good when you're in the mountains, like you're talking about before. It's always good to if you've got some interesting cloud movement coming in, you actually get better, more pleasing light in the mountains during the day than you do yeah. in the morning and the evening. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that day that we was at that plateau, Matt, what was that? <laughs> yeah, there. that was the first night I took you guys out there, yeah, wasn't that, it? Yeah. That, that, was incre- that, that was incredible. That afternoon was incredible. That yeah. was the yeah. afternoon. That was what, at four o'clock in the afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 All that cloud build up and then it just opened and. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting as well because, like you said, it changes every 30 seconds. <laughs> it is. That's that rare, that, that rare light I'm talking about. That's the best light, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, so when so when we went, well, when we went up Grand Sasso the first, the, from the other side, uh-huh. I don't know. I, and you took some long shots as well, looking right in your ball. And did you, Matt, as well? Yeah. Looking towards the sun. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. the layers. That's, yeah. what I, that's what I ended up doing because I'm not really a wide angle guy anyway. And, and it is such an impressive mountain and view, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just I'm just not very good at making the best of that sometimes with a wide angle lens. I'm just, I don't know, I'm just trained to look tight all the time. So, using the long, using the long lens and and using the same principle that you said earlier about going small on the waterfall, I did the exact same thing. Yeah. With that, <laughs> I thought, well, there's no color on my feet or light. So, and you guys had the at we had the sort of better foregrounds with the, the dominant rocks in the foreground. I was set quite back, so yeah. I was like, well, I haven't really got foreground, yeah. so I'll just shoot what yeah. where the best light is. Yeah, and make yep. a composition the best yep. I can out of what's over there. Um, I didn't walk home. Like I yeah, know I couldn't walk home, but if I yeah. was in the lake, if I was in the Lake District, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I was in I don't know Snowdonia, or I wouldn't have gone home. I would have pointed my camera at something where that was interesting, or yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have stuck to my guns and gone home and thought that was a shit trip. <laughs> the light well, exactly. was crap I think I think you have to really not only do you have to look at where the light is on the land but also look at exactly that what focal length is going to work best for the light that you've got on the land yep yeah and maybe yeah your wider shot's not going to work because you haven't got that light on the landscape but as you say a longer focal length to zoom in on where that light is hitting yeah yeah um, or what's going on is the better way to go. And this does work. If you complement that wider scene, as we're saying, with an element that's going to sort of frame the the landscape, okay? I'll use an example. You're at a, a place where you've got this beautiful mountain, all right? You've got some undulating hills in front of you and you've got a mountain. Yeah. And... Maybe it's five o'clock in the afternoon. There's a couple of wispy clouds in the sky, but there's, the light's not doing anything. It's intense, mm. and it's probably not doing you any favors to do this wide-angle shot. If you found yourself a tree, right, and you stepped behind the back of that trunk and used a branch as part of the scene to sort of accompany that mountain in the background so that the, the, the mountain's not the dominating part of the scene anymore. It's being accompanied by part of a shaded tree where you've got these details in this trunk or something and you have this intenser light back with a backlit landscape 
that's intense behind it, it actually works really well. Yeah. Then that the sky doesn't have much importance anymore. It's the details of the tree and then you've got this subtle, um, yeah, this subtle background that's not necessarily as is important anymore. That's yeah. a technique you can use when you don't yeah. have <laughs> the best light, you know. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the zooming uh, yeah. in. The zooming in. If you look, Tom, the last couple of photos I've done, just specifically mountain photography, they're yeah. all shot during the day. Yeah, and they're some of the best ones. Some of the ones I'm, you know, I'm really, really proud of. Um, yeah, <coughs> an extremely intense light. Extremely intense light. I mean, yeah. you've got to remember that we come from. I don't know if I brought this up before. We come from um, a background of film photographers, so. We had these very few because obviously landscape photography wasn't as popular as it is now. Um, and I'm even talking probably the last 15 years, so obviously yeah. pre-digital. We came from these big note photographers, very, very, very good photographers. I mean, anyone who was shooting film photography back in the day at a professional level, we're talking about people that they know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. It's not easy shooting film. <laughs> Anyone who thinks that it's that photography is easy, try shooting film. I want you to. I want you to. You, you're going to find out that photography was not easy at all. We're very lucky to be in digital photography right now. We're very lucky because you can get away with everything. Back then, when you took that shot, the light had to be perfect. Okay, you couldn't bracket. You know, you couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Draw your your uh, you couldn't um, expose to your highlights. You know you had to work with the light you had and make sure that one shot, bang, everything was perfect. And that takes a lot of that took a lot of skill, a lot of skill. Yeah, yeah. You really, really had to know everything about photography to get that done. Now, so what I'm trying to say is, we came from the ad, those people telling us when we started, Paul. Um, you started more, what 15 years ago yourself. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So you stepped into digital photography in the beginning and you came from those people, those names, saying to us that sunrise and sunset is the best time to photograph. And it probably was most of the time with film photography. But yeah. in digital photography, we've got a big dynamic range we can work off and we can make that light work in our behaviour by using post-production techniques, using our sliders, open up our shadows, Exposed yeah. for our highlights, um, we can make it work for us, you know. And it's just about knowing how to how to capture that when you're out in field. Yeah, it it's, is. It's, it's a case of not not exposing bang on right in the centre of the meter anymore because yeah. that, because if you do that, it's, it's going to be wrong. It's a case of underexposing an image so that the light isn't blown out or, yeah. or whatever it might be, and being able to bring it back. Mm. It's just about learning a different way of handling the light. I yeah. think. And about well, being, it's about being where you are too. I mean, Tom, yeah. you you could tell you, you know more about than this than than any of us. I mean, you uh, predominantly, well, ninety five percent woodland photographer, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, know. Yeah, in the woods, um, if you put yourself in the right place, you can shoot any time of day and get bloody good light. Can't yeah, you? yeah, that's kind of what I was saying at the weekend. It's it, even in the winter, when when the trees are bare, it, obviously it makes that harder because it's it's more like shooting a, a wide scene, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but there's still there's still cover, and um, depending yeah. on what shoot of woodland, you know, obviously Oop. here we get a lot of, you know, the seasons are very distinctive, and when in the winter the the, the tree, the oak trees and the beech trees are are bald, you know. Yeah. But, but if you f- it's winter, 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 <laughs> yeah. winter. Yeah, winter. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's still winter over there, is it, guys? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not here. Not here. No, but there's still patches where it's evergreen. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. There's still, pla- and I, I know that I, I put um, a video up a couple of weeks ago and got a little bit of flack from a couple of people saying that the woodlands I was shooting were boring, regimental. Um, I can't remember what else he said. He said something else. Um, and yeah, they are. I couldn't argue with him. Um, but... <laughs> But there doesn't mean there isn't shots there. It doesn't mean that you can take a picture <coughs> and, Excuse me. and someone looking at the picture doesn't know where it's taken. Mm. They, don't, they don't know it's a boring <coughs> plant yeah. by a farmer. You know, they don't know that. Um, so that's the kind of my point is, is about taking images for me is about creating a story or creating a, a mood or a feeling someone looking at it. And that relates to where the what the conditions are what the subject is right. yeah right. um so yeah i i would when i take people out into the woods and i say let's go over here and then you walk into the the plant plantation area they're like well there's all them nice oaks over there so when he when he says he's taking people out into the woods he's actually talking about when he's taking some people out to photograph yeah, he's not just taking them there to bury them, or anything. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't been for a while. But yeah, when I did yeah. take people out into the woods for a workshop, when I when I take people out into the woods, yeah, <laughs> yeah. good. And they they, they get a bit funny. Well, not funny, but they just, I, could, I could just see you just holding you know little red riding hood hands and just you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Oh. I just think yeah, you just you just need to like you said, Paul, slow down, and just. If something catches your eye, which is generally what colour or light, you just need to go and have a look, yeah. rather, rather than just thinking, oh, "I'm not going to." It's probably nothing, right? Because you, yeah, it might not be nothing, but then you might go over there and see something else. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and when you go out, don't limit yourself to a location that's only going to work in one light condition. Go to a yeah. location where you know that if you drive 15 minutes down the road, <clears> you've got a river inside the woods, or you've got a waterfall that's got it's in shadow at a certain time of day or yeah work in a location where you know that you have lots of possibilities yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah exactly i tell you, I tell you we had simon on a while back didn't we yeah we did simon, simon booth yeah well and, um, what a podcast that was i know and he's what a legend definitely a legend i remember when i because i've only been doing this what seven years maybe and um, he was a big inspiration to me, and that's kind of the reason why I like shooting or like the challenge of a of a boring pine forest, because you get the pine cones and it, where they're so dense as well. I noticed at the weekend where they're so, obviously evergreen and they and they're very dark and damp environments. There's so much moss on the ground, yeah, which encourages m- mushrooms. There's so many mush like fields of mushrooms. Um, I'm editing one now at the moment of not a field, just one. <laughs> but I like there's what? Th- yeah, well, you know, you know, I'm like I'm a clean, I'm a clean freak. I just find I wanted to find one mushroom on its own. 
anyway, and, there, and there's, there's so many little ecosystems and things that you can shoot <laughs> on the ground. Was it and a magic get, mushroom, was it? Um, no, I don't know. It didn't yeah. taste too good. And then um, <laughs> we tried, though. We gave it a few. Now <laughs> <laughs> you've got far to drive them. And um, yeah, but yeah, Simon's been a big a big um, influence on on my thought process about light and subject. You know, um, Simon, I, I, I could put in an envelope my toenail, right, and send it out to him. That guy could make a YouTube video on it the week after. He can shoot freaking anything and make it look good. Yeah, he can. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. He, 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 yeah, he shoots like brown leaves on the ground that most people wouldn't even give, wouldn't even look at it once, would they? No. Yeah. I, if, people, if anyone hasn't listened to the episode, go and listen to the mm, episode and definitely. go and check out his YouTube channel. Um, yeah. If I ever need inspiration, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, you guys, you know, Luigi. If people mm-hmm. out there, you might you might have heard Luigi. He's a friend of ours who's, we, we, we do workshops with him out here in Italy. Um, Luigi Nesbier, he he does uh, weekly videos on YouTube. And, and, and recently he said to me that he was, you know, he was lacking some inspiration and didn't quite know where to go. It was bad weather, didn't want to go to the mountains, didn't want to go to the beach. He sort of just didn't have any inspiration out there to go and doing anything. And I said, go on Simon's channel. You'll yeah. find something. Because that guy just, he knows, he knows. And sometimes with light, it doesn't have to be that light, does it? It just has to be subjects. Yeah. yeah. You've got to know how to see. Um, yeah. I personally, some of my best images are in harsh light. And I think one of my images we took, I don't know if it was on the last workshop, Paul, that we did together, mm. or maybe it was – when you guys came over and we're walking to the waterfall on the way down, there was a tree that was isolated and was looking out into the valley and the light was really, really harsh and there was just a little bit of green. Yeah, it was the first time we went there. A yeah. little bit of green on those trees. And that tree just had such a beautiful shape to it. It was perfectly backlit, the backlit. The saturations in that moment, in that light, had that really beautiful lime to them. Yeah, and it was it just spring, wasn't it? It was spring. Spikes, yeah, it was spring early lines. spring. That isolated tree, I just did a close-up of just the branch on its own with that valley at the back. And that, that that for me, it's one of the best images I ever took. And the light was horrible, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. it was the subject that happened to work well in that light. And if it, you know, if it was sunset, you couldn't have been able to you wouldn't have been able to shoot that tree. It would have been completely no. different. Well, yeah. this is it. It's just knowing what you can shoot in what light condition. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, light, light basically is everything, but it's it's only everything if you know how to use it in separate, you know certain conditions. Yep, yep, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think when you're starting out, you that's that's it's not what you get taught, is it? No, it's not. And this is the part of the problem, I think, and it does limit creativity yeah. massively. It does because yeah. you see you see it online. You just have to look. Everybody goes out sunrise, sunset, and then you get images that look very Samey, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then you get these photographers out there that are, that um that do a lot of post processing, like a lot of post processing. Yeah, they manage to make their photographs work well in harsh light. You look at Max Rive, for example. Everyone knows Max Rive. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not my favorite photographer, but I do appreciate the style that he does. It's very, 
It's extreme. It's almost his photography takes the digital world and reality on on a very fine border, doesn't it? It's um, um, but his style of photography, he shoots in harsh light, and you can see it. But it tends to work with with what he does, you know. So also, yeah, post production does play a role in it. Don't you know how you need to know how to work your image in post production? Doesn't necessarily mean manipulate it mm. how to work it so how to expose correctly there's yeah. a big thing expose for your highlights have to know if your sense is powerful enough <clears> that <throat> you can drag your shadows up later on um i find this is a tip i don't know if everyone does this but i i've got two camera settings on my camera and I don't play with many settings on my camera. I've got two user settings. And the first user setting I've got in my camera is tripod. That's what I call it. So my tripod user setting is basically, it's fully manual. Everything in there is manual. Um, my shake reduction is off because I'm on a tripod, so I don't send vibrations through my camera. And it's very, very, very simple setups. So that's tripod. Then I've got handheld. So I've got shake yeah. reduction on. Now, in handheld... <laughs> I don't, I'm not fully manual. I'm half and half. So I use shoot with AV mode. So I select my f-stop, but the camera selects the exposure based on the f-stop, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. normally handheld, it's a very fast photography, isn't it? You pull your camera out, bang, you're done, right? But what I've done in that setting is I've underexposed by two stops automatically. So the camera always takes a shot two stops under because – I know with a sensor in my camera that the DR and it's so powerful, I can always regain those shadows later on. But at least I'm going to guarantee to myself that 90% of the time I'm not going to burn my highlights. And if you're yeah. shooting in, in harsh shadow, in, in harsh light, that's important to remember, you know, camera settings, working yeah. with it, understanding, using the digital camera to your, to your, um, to your, to your, I can't think of the word, to your benefit. Advantage, yeah. Advantage, there's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Thanks for that, mate. Sorry. Right. No, yeah, yeah, definitely right. But that that goes for it. Sorry, Tom, to interrupt. Sorry. Um, as you were saying there, using the camera to your advantage is if, as we were saying before about having the time to uh, dedicate to an area or a location, yep. use that time to, to figure out what those settings are. Yeah. If you're waiting for the light to happen, experiment with it and see what it does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In different light conditions. Sorry, Tom, carry on, mate. No, I was, I was just going to say, like, uh, that's something that you learn, isn't it? When, when you and I, and that's another thing. Why I, I, when people like switch camera systems all the time, or they're just they're just trying to find. It's almost like there's another th- thing to try and find their feet. Once no. you once you find a camera system you're happy with, and you know you've generally invested a lot of money <laughs> in lenses, yeah. which dictates the amount of times you can switch. But like knowing knowing you once you got a. a and know once you know the area you were shooting, know your subject. You've been there enough times. Knowing your camera, knowing your camera, and knowing your capabilities, then enables you to then think, what well, what can I do with it yeah. in the post? And then once you know how to edit and how to, what you can push and how you, so basically, you need to know what you can get out of the end of it before you take the image, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, once you know that, once you know that I want it to look like this in Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever, then you know then you can work backwards and think, right, I have to shoot two stops under. Like for me, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> used to Paul as well. I'm the same, Matt. I have to shoot 
between one and two stops under on the Sony because otherwise yeah, I'll lose my highlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, before, before, I used to think, oh, I have to shoot what my light meter says. <laughs> yeah. You don't and think the, that way anymore uh, because you, you can't rely on Sony's light meter. No. <laughs> no. It, and it's really. Yeah. No, you no. can't. No, you can't. Yeah, even the histogram, I the histograms all over the place. We really? not not so long back, didn't we? Yeah. When yeah. I when I still had the Sony, I said to you, I says the histogram on the Sony is all over the place. Oh well, if you yeah. if you if you exposed what the histogram said, you'd be overexposed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always shoot on. Um, I always shoot. I ignore the light meter, and I always shoot with that histogram buried to the left hand side normally. Anyway. Sometimes it even shows its clipping, the, my shadows, but I know it ain't. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then when you turn the zebra, you turn the zebra stripes on, or the, or the, you know, I don't, the blinkies. Yeah. Sometimes it's still it, the Instagram and the light mirror says I'm properly exposed, but the, but it will still flash mm. to say I'm blowing my highlights. Um, so I kind of have to work a picture of the three and experience to think right, that I know it's right now. Mm. Mm. Um. But yeah, no, you're definitely right. Knowing your camera and getting everything set, definitely. And the experience of editing images, which you gain only gain over time, doesn't it? Is is you need you need to be able to visualize. It's like anything, isn't it? You build an extension on your house, or I don't know, you do your car app, or you, yeah, being able to visualize what you want at the end makes the process from start to finish so much less stressful, doesn't it? it certainly does. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. I think it's just a case of really bearing with with the light that you're given. Um, get to know your camera. Get to know that the the weather patterns change so frequently, and don't yeah. get fixed in this mindset as though you've only got two hours a day to shoot. Yeah. So why do you why do you think that that's what we get taught? Then do you think it's the workshop business coming out? No, I know. Like I said before, because people because the we had. Only very few photographers to to did the, the wrote the the original the first books that we knew about photography. Um, yeah. and you know we based around film, on it? based around film photography. So for film photography to actually to capture that light, the majority of the time it was at sunrise or sunset. You know, um, yeah. And obviously there, you know, there's less photographers around. There's only few, and I shot with film. I know what it was like to shoot with film, and I can still remember trying to expose now, and it was a freaking nightmare. Yeah, it was but a think- nightmare, and so all my shots, all my shots, unless it was street photography, any of my landscape stuff was done at sunrise and sunset. Um, I didn't have the experience. You had some of those brewing photographers out there, like Joe Cornish, who knew that you could get good light during the day too, and they had the patience and the time and mm. the experience to know where to go to get that light. But yeah. we had. The other photographers, the hobbyists too, the people that were doing it as a hobby, who didn't have access to that experience, who would just shoot at sunrise and sunset because it was easy to expose, you know, yeah. um, and to get good results without post-production, that's when you did it because yeah. it's more natural that you would get good get good light at that time of day, you know, and <laughs> you, you, there's no post-production involved. Banging out of the camera, how it was is how it was. So the chances you were going to get a nice sunrise was a lot higher, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose, like as well, was to to the hobbyist, it, it suits family life, doesn't it? 
You well, know, it does. You can go out and do an hour's photography and come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the same evening, the kids are in bed. Or I'm off to the missus or, or yeah. I'm off to the husband or whatever. And it doesn't really, like you said, it doesn't really affect the family routine, no. does it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it suits everyone, really. But yeah, going back to that time anyway, not more about the roots, but if you are going to go on workshops, people... um don't get stuck into this thing was the, the, you know, when you're on workshop, it's just sunrise and just sunset, you know, yeah. when you're out there, push your guides, who takes you out, your photographers to stay out, you're paying to be out all day. Exactly. I wouldn't dream um, of saying to people, you've only got two hours to shoot a day. <laughs> no, 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 no. And there is a lot of them out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. You've seen it. Oh, you, we've, you, got, you. we've got so many hours <laughs> downtime and, and I'm yeah. thinking, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's lost opportunity in my eyes. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, look at the ones we do over here, Paul. Um, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I do find it a beautiful part of the workshop to be sitting in a typical Italian restaurant and having a beautiful meal because people are coming to Italy. But let's face it, they want yeah. to eat. They want to eat good food too, don't they? And drink but, good wine. But I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't dream of taking a group into a restaurant during the day and staying there for three hours. You know. Or yeah. saying, okay, time out, now. Time out, guys. Go and have a rest in the hotel room for the next four hours, and we'll catch up just before sunset. It doesn't work like that. You should be yeah. out on field as much as possible. And if the light isn't good, encourage your guides to say, okay, let's go elsewhere. Let's go to another location. Let's not stay here and wait for something to happen if it's not. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. It's been an interesting one that we thought we would uh, really want to discuss because I think we brought it up on a, another live stream we were doing actually about this, the fact that there's too much relying on sunrise and sunset times and you're missing a lot of fantastic opportunities for Definitely. some great images. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, been fantastic to discuss this, guys. been great fun. Yeah, it has. It has. I yeah. want to say one thing before we yeah. close. Of course. Um, there's lots of other podcasts out there, lots of other landscape photography specific podcasts too. And people who do listen to the podcasts out there, there's some great ones out there. And um, obviously we, we hear some, some of the brilliant minds in landscape photography being interviewed on the podcasts. Um, you've heard some of the people we've interviewed, not just us talking, but um, if anyone out there has a suggestion of someone they would like to come on to the podcast, someone that has been missed let's say, within the podcast world, let us know. Um, you know, there could be someone out there that that, uh, that a lot of people want to hear talk and no one's thought to to ask them to come on. So, you know, yeah, don't be afraid to ask us. Yeah, for sure. We'd love to get them on just to yeah. let us know who you want. For and sure. We'll, uh, and we'll reach out to them and see what we can do for you. Yep. Well, guys, hope you've enjoyed this one. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.